was in chapter 8 just a moment ago, and I'll have you go back to chapter 7, and we'll start there this morning. We'll end up in chapter, the end of chapter 8 there, but we'll start in chapter 7. <clears throat> Somebody needs to say it. Brother Jones, that joke. Keep trying. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what we're supposed to do? I think so. All right, amen. All right, moving on. Jeremiah chapter 7. Chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10 here are all the same message. Jeremiah was told by God to go to the temple gate, the the opening, the gate to go into the temple, the house of God, there in Jerusalem, and to preach while people are coming into his house. Look what the Bible says here. Let's begin. We're going to have you, I'm going to have you go to several different places through chapter 7, chapter 8 to get an understanding of this message, to kind of get an overview, and then we'll end up in chapter 8 here. Look at, look at chapter 7, verse 1, please. And the Bible says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand, ye, stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Catch what he's saying there? Remember, he's at the gate, so he's at the door. He's at the opening of the temple. Temple was a smaller building, tall, but not very, not in our mind, taking up a lot of square footage. And then it had a courtyard and everything out, out front. And the gate would allow them access into all of that, which is called the temple. And uh, as they're coming into the Lord's house, it's like going to church. Can you imagine Brother Shank out there in the foyer this morning? And, and you're coming into church and he's saying, hey, you, amend your ways. Hey, you, amend your ways. Brother Shank, would you do that? Amen, <laughs> he said, hey, man, let me, give me a chance. Hey, if God asked him to do it, he ought to do it. Man, and he has authority. He has a chair deacon in this church. He's got some authority, amen. And, and, and if God wants him to do that, but listen here. That's exactly what's going on here. God told his prophet, stand at the gate of the temple and preach at them when they're coming to my house. Preach at them when they're coming into my house. And what's the first thing he says? Amend your ways. What? Amend your ways. This is God's people. And they're coming to the church house. And look what he said in that last verse there. Trust not in, trust ye not in lying words. Verse 4. Saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. In other words, he says, don't use the excuses. Well, preacher, I'm coming to, to go to church. I'm coming to put my offering in the offering plate. I'm coming to give my sacrifice. Well, well, I came all this way to come to worship God. And he says, that sounds good. And you're going through the motions. You with me? Going through the motions. 
But he said, amend your ways. It's a spirit of revival going on here. God's saying, Jeremiah, I want you to preach revival to my people. Just like last week. Remember last week we were in Ezekiel? And God says, I want to take that stony, cold, rock-hard heart out of you. And I want to give you a heart of flesh. I want to give you a heart that is real again, that's pumping, that's got blood circulating through your body, that, that I know that you're real on the inside. Even though I see some things on the outside, I want to know you're real on the inside. That's exactly what the same thing. Different book of the Bible. Praise God that, praise God that all these different books penned by all these different men through all those different years all have a similar theme, a similar message. That God is consistent and He doesn't contradict Himself in His Word. It's a miraculous book written by the Lord. Amen? Amen, Amen that's right. Yeah, and that's why we use it. That's why it's our foundation. We're, we're the, we're our final, we, we, all, all of what we have ends right here. It's the Word of God right here. This is the written Word of God and we serve the living Word of God. And He's given us this. To know Him. Amen? Amen. Let's continue along. Look at verse 5. For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not? And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Is this house, verse 11, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus went into the temple, the New Testament. And they were merchandising. They were making money off of God's people coming to sacrifice. They didn't have all the same money. And they would transfer money from, from this into the Jewish, the Jewish uh, currency, uh, the, the temple currency at that time. And they were taking percentages and they were making money off of God's people coming to worship the Lord. And he said, is my house a, a den of thieves? He turns over the table and he, and he drives them out. He's saying, we're going through the motions, but we are not right. But we are not right. We, we got the outside. We've got our Sunday best on and we're looking good and we were here on time to sing the songs and do the thing, do everything that is, uh, that is custom. Yeah. Yeah, I even put something in the offering plate when it went by because it's custom. But what's God saying? Amend your ways. He's calling for revival. 
He's saying to this old this preacher right here, he's saying, hey, don't stand up there and just do whatever you do. and do your, you, can, you can get up there and, and sing a song and do a dance and whatever and, and, and fool everybody, but you're not fooling me. Because I know your heart. That's what he's saying to his, his people. I know your heart. And he's calling out and telling us to amend our ways. Look at verse 16. Therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercessions to me, for I will not hear. He's telling Jeremiah, hey, don't pray for them. They need to get right. They know what they need to do. You don't pray for them. You preach to them and tell them get right. In other words, in other words, uh, uh, Pastor, uh, pray for us. We're going through some difficult times and, 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 and uh, you know, we're doing this. And, and that's legitimate. Understand that. But we're going through some difficult times with our children and with our family and maybe with our marriage and all that. But we're not faithful to church. You with me? Now I understand it could look like I'm tooting my own horn up here, but I spend a lot of time praying and pleading with God that He would give me the message that He wants for the day and for the hour and use His Word and ask God for a filling and power from the Holy Spirit right out of this Word, right here. That's the truth and that's what I ought to do. And if I'm not, then shame on me and God's going to kick me out and get rid of me. The best Counseling and the best help and the best uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, support, all that is right under the preaching of God's Word. He's telling Jeremiah, they know what's right and they know what they need to do. So don't, don't pray over them. You just keep preaching to them. That's what he's telling them right here. It's a spirit of revival here. He's putting the man of God in his place and he's putting God's people in his place. He's, getting it, he's taking care of it. Look, go to verse 23, please. Verse 23, but this thing commanded I them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and ye shall be my people and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in their counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. Skip down to verse 28. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. They stopped saying the truth. They stopped living the truth, and now they stopped saying the truth. Now, if this wasn't written to Old Testament Israel here, who would it be written to? America right now. We stopped living the truth and then we stopped preaching the truth and now we have the next generation that is so far doesn't even know the truth. Amen. Skip with me now to the next chapter, chapter 8. As I said, the four chapters are all the same message. If your Bible puts a little title there above the, the chapter so you know what it is, mine says the message in the temple gate continued. It's chapter 8. Look at verse number 4. Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. 
No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rusheth into the battle. Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times. And the turtle and the crane and the, and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. How do we say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Lo, certainly in vain made he it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord and what wisdom is in them. Do you catch what he's saying there? He's saying, I've given you the law and I, and I gave it to the prophets of old to pen it down and it's vanity if you're not reading it and you're not in it and you're not paying attention to it. Yeah, I wrote it to you for you to be my people, but you're not in it. You're not in it. You count it as vanity. Go to verse 19, please. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country. In other words, there's people out there that want to that want to trouble us, want to hurt us, want to get us. And, and, and here we are, we're crying back to God because now we're in, it's a time of inconvenience. We're not on top of the mountain anymore, so we turn back to God. Look at what he says here. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? Verse 22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Lord, help us now as we consider this thought, the beginning, the first half of this message that you gave to Jeremiah. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us revival in this place. Lord, revival in my heart as the pastor. And Lord, that it would go spread from, my, from, from here, Lord, to my family, to the staff here, and throughout the whole church, God. But it starts with me. And I pray, Lord, that you give me revival. May I be, Lord, hear exactly what you want me to hear today and, and be, Lord, doing what you want me to do. God, may we all have that prayer and that desire to please you today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit of God, and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you hear what he's saying? Is not God here? God has promised His presence would be when we gather together here under the church. And so we come to the church house and Old Testament Jews, they're coming to the temple. And he says, but you're not right. You've come to stand before me and you've come to do what it is that, that you always do in tradition and go through the motions. But you stand here in your sin. Because you're holding on to those things that you want to do, that you've always done, that I've asked you to give up for me, to be my people. And yet look. Say, Pastor, you, this same message from last week. It's out of a different book to a different people at a different time, but it's the same message. Revival is what we need. Revival is what we need. Remember last week, before we could have revival, he said clearly in the verse right before it, he said, repent, repent, 
Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your abominations. Let go of this, of what this flesh wants and say, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. He mentions here a, a, the balm of Gilead in verse 22. I have referenced it several times this year uh, as I was uh, preaching to you in different messages and different times I've referenced it. Let me, let me take a moment here and, and help you and, and teach you a little bit about this balm of Gilead. See, Gilead was a region. If you, if you can think, if you can think of, see a map in your mind, and perhaps in the back of your Bible, if it would be a help to you, if you see a map of Israel, and uh, you'll see on the, along the right side, you'll see the Jordan River. And near the top here, you'll see, well, not all the way to the top of Israel, but you'll see the, the Sea of Galilee. And then the Jordan comes down and it dumps into the Dead Sea. Well, the, the region of Gilead was to the right or to, uh, to the, uh, let's see, to the east of, of the Jordan River. Maybe you've read in Numbers or, or in the law, the, the first five books, and I believe it's in Numbers, where there was two and a half tribes that didn't want to go into the promised land. And they said, Lord, we, we, we like, uh, we like this, this grassy land here for our cattle and for our, for our sheep and for all that. And we want to settle here and we don't want to go into the promised land. And there was two and a half tribes that said, we don't want to go in. And God said, okay, so be it. You're going to do right and you're going to go with us and you're going to fight the fight. But when you're done, you can come back and this can be your land. And that's fine. That region where they settled is similar, is, is, is what's considered Gilead just to the right of the Jordan River, between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea over beyond the Jordan. That's Gilead. And in Gilead was a tree. And that tree was an evergreen tree that in the hot and humid season would give off a resin, a a, a sap or, or something that come out of the tree, a resin. And that resin would be taken and it could be mixed with different things. But it was, it was made into a balm that had characteristics very similar to that of aspirin. You would take this balm and you would rub it on aches and pains. And places uh, that, that, that sometimes just bothered you. Uh, and you would rub it on that. Uh, you could take it internally if you chose. But most people used it as an ointment and they would rub it different places. Maybe somebody would rub it on their feet or on their knees or, or maybe a shoulder or something that aches like that. And they would use it as medicine for a medicinal purpose, this balm of Gilead. Because of so, it made, it made you feel good. It helped. The characteristics like aspirin, it helped with inflammation. It helped with uh, well, swelling and, and it helped with pain and ache and all that. And, and it also, here it is, it also, excuse me, smelled very nice. You say, well, you know, back in the day, they didn't have all those. They couldn't go down to Walmart or to Food Line and buy a speed stick or Old Spice. Yeah, but they had different ointments and different balms like this and different things that smelled very nice. The wealthy and the kings and those that had resources would have more of that than other people would. And the balm of Gilead was one of those things. Not only did it not make you, it it made you feel good, but it also made you smell good. And so, therefore, it was greatly desired and sought after. If you can remember back to Genesis. In Genesis, you remember Joseph's brothers sold him to merchantmen that were headed to Egypt. 
Do you remember that? Those merchantmen came out of Gilead, most likely carrying that balm of Gilead that it was known for. Because I didn't say this. In that tree that grew in Gilead, it was a, the right word, maybe finicky tree, or a, it was a difficult tree to grow. It means it had to have just the right environment. You with me? We don't have too many palm trees up here. They don't grow too good up here. It's not the right environment. This, this Gilead tree, this, this evergreen tree, needed just the right environment to grow. And so because of that, it was difficult to, to uproot and take somewhere else and get it to grow and get it to take root and get it to, to keep going. It, Gilead became known for that tree and for that balm. It was sought after. And so another, uh, another person, you remember when the queen of Sheba went to see Solomon. She gave him some of that balm of Gilead. It was expensive. It was sought after. And she had that and gave it to Solomon. Now, what God's saying here is, is there no balm in Gilead? Think about that. He's saying, haven't I given you something that makes you feel good and smells nice and will help you get well? Haven't I given you what you already need to get well? Amen? That's what he's saying. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Consider for a moment. Just consider for a moment going to the doctor's office. Let's say Brother Martini. He's just, he's just having a little problem. I don't know. He's just having an issue, right? He's got a lot, you got a lot of problems? Do you really? Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's move on from that. Let's not use Brother Martini. He's got a lot of problems. Okay. Uh, let's say that I, let's say I got, I'm just teasing on. Uh, let's say I got to go to the doctor's because I've got an issue. So I go to the doctor's office and I get in there. I make the appointment. I get in there on time. And uh, well, you know how it is. We get there 15 minutes early because they want you to fill out all the paperwork and you wait for an hour and then they get you. Right? You know how it goes. All right. <laughs> Isn't that real? Isn't that true? I don't know why that is. But anyways. But so you get in there. And, and you say, Doc, I've got this issue. I've got this problem. And he says, you know what? This is so common. I hear this all the time. He says, I know exactly what you need to do to fix this. And so he says, well, you need to make this little change right here and then add this, this little vitamin or this little supplement and it will help you. You with me? And he writes, he writes it down. He gives you that. Maybe it's a prescription. And he writes it down and gives it to you. And he says, you know what? And it doesn't cost much either. And, and you go, you swing by the pharmacy on the way home and they got it. And it's real cheap. And you pick it up and you take it home. And what do you do? You put it in your medicine cabinet or you put it where your vitamins are. And, and you say, man, the doctor said I can just take this for a day or two or a couple of days and I'll be feeling real good. I'll get this thing taken, taken care of. But the next day, you get up and you got that ache or you got that pain. And you just walk right by the medicine. You don't do anything about it. Didn't I go to the doctors for a reason? Didn't, didn't he know exactly what I needed to get healed, to get fixed? Didn't he? Didn't he what, it was really easy to get and, and, and I have it and it's in my house. But I just keep on passing by it every day and I just don't do it. 
Wouldn't that be silly? You know that would be silly. But that's exactly what God's people do. That's exactly what we do. God says, I've given you everything you need. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Consider for a moment what God has given us. Oh no, here he goes again, preaching about the Bible. That's right, because this is, this is real, a miraculous, real book from God Almighty that we have the privilege to have and to hold and to keep. And we take it for granted, right here. God says, I want you to be in it. And I want you to make it a part of your life. And it'll help you. That the law of, the word, the, the, the law of God would not depart out of your mouth. And He promises us good success if we make it a part of our life in Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 1. There is no country like America that has had such an influence and accessibility to the Word of God than us. Not a single country in this world that has had as much access and availability to the Word of God as us. We started on it. We were founded on it. And if you don't believe it, drive down to D.C. and look at it written in stone. It's there. It's there. But yet, we've forsaken it. We've left it. It used to be in the courtrooms. They're taking it down. It used to be in the schools. They're taking it, out, taking it off the walls. And the teachers used to read it. Maybe start a day off with something they got out of the Word of God. Some of you might remember those days. And we stopped it. Moms and dads, uh, we used to have it a part of our life. Our children used to come out and see us reading it and in it. And then it went from that to, well, we'll just leave it set on the family table, the coffee table there, and we'll have our family Bible. But, well, we'll read it a couple of times a year at nice holidays and special events. And it went from that to getting a bunch of layers of dust to the point that we don't even bring it to church anymore. And we have such a wonderful thing called the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Amen? Come on, you know, you know, you think about the, the, the power that's in this book from God Almighty. The devil runs from it. He runs from it. You read in the beginning of Matthew when, when, the, when Jesus was in the, in the desert there and the devil come tempting him. What did he do? He started quoting this book. The Word of God. You look at the armor of God that He gives us in Ephesians chapter 6, how we're supposed to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what the best part of that is, in my opinion? It's the sword. And you know what the sword is? It's the Word of God. And here's the best part. It's not only a weapon. It's defense and it's offense. You take your sword and you can block with it, but you can also eliminate the threat. It's defensive and it's offensive. It's time to get back to the basics, Shenandoah. We need revival and we've got to get back to the basics. I was just talking to Brother Horton this week about the basketball team and all that. And I was just asking, do the guys have the fundamentals down? Do they got it down? Do they, uh, do they need to get back to basics? Do they got to work on the simple stuff like dribbling again and, and, and just shooting the free throw and just the simple things? And, uh, and we were talking about that. Church family, that's exactly what Shenandoah needs to do. We've got to get back to the fundamentals, back to the basics. We call ourselves a fundamental church. We better get back to it. Amen. Getting in the Word of God. Amen? Amen? 
Amen. You say, well, pastor, I, I just wasn't taught that as I was a, as a kid and, and, and I'm having trouble getting used to that. You know what? So did I. I had trouble with it too. And I, you know what? I just kept getting back up. I fall and I get back up. And I fall and I get back up. Didn't the Bible talk about that? A just man falleth and rises seven times. Come on now. Sometimes we, we, we read the word of God and then we get out of habit and then we're like, man, I got I to gotta start it back again. We have family devotions. We get out of the ha- habit and we got to start it back again. That's what we got to do. We're all there. Amen. And sometimes you can find what works for you and, and what works for me might not work for you. But whatever the case is, let's get the word of God in our lives. Because let's get back to the source we've, that we've left. We've left the source. And we wonder why we're so far from God. We wonder why we come into church and it's just like, I've got this weight on me, Lord. And, man, I need to get rid of this. I've just got this weight on me. Let's get back to the source. Maybe you're having some problems in your marriage. You know what we need to do? We need to get in this book. God tells a husband how to be a husband. He tells a wife how to be a wife. Amen? You know what else he's given us? And again, this is going to sound funny because it's coming from me. But he's giving you a pastor. And I can preach that with confidence because it's scriptural. I know that God called me to be here. And let's put me aside. He's given you a pastoral staff of godly men. Godly men, I respect each one of them, and they all have their strengths. I, I, was pick, I always pick on Brother Martini. Let me pick on him again here. But this guy is awesome. He's awesome. And he teaches his couples class over there in Sunday school hour. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm having a little trouble with my marriage. Well, you know what? Let's go, let's go. in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Let's go see Brother Martini. Amen. Or let's go see Pastor. Let's go see one of these guys that, that are living the example. Man, his wonderful family and all that God has done through them. Praise the Lord for that. The proof's in the pudding. Amen. Amen. I think about the deacons in this church. We got some great godly deacons. A lot of pastors can't talk about that. There's these guys, they're just not friends and they're always against each other. And Not here. Shoo! We had a little thing the other night, a little pastoral staff deacon thing, this little Christmas thing, and it was fun, and we laughed the whole time. Amen. Most of the time, we were laughing at, you know, Brother Shank, but other than that, I mean, we were laughing together the whole time, okay? But here it is. We're unified. And we have the same spirit and the same direction. Amen? We've got some godly men in this church, some godly direction, uh, some godly leaders. Go see them. Amen? I think about Brother Marion and Brother Stanley and, and Brother Shank and some of these other guys. And man, you've done it before me. You've been to this point. How did you do it? What did God, how did God use you to do this? And let's get around some godly leadership. Amen? God said, I've given you what you need. I've given you what you need. You know what else we have? And for sake of time, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll make it short and brief here. He's given you a church. And a church family. Woo! Yeah, a church family. You need this place. Don't run from it. Don't forsake it. Man, I can't believe you're going to have church tonight. Bless God. Hallelujah. Woo! 
I'm excited. I'm going to tell you what. I'm excited about tonight. Because God is teaching me some things this week. And I was doing some research. And he was showing me some maps and some pictures. Helping me to understand what, I'm gonna be, what he wanted me to preach on. And I started getting excited. Man, I was getting excited. I'm going to show you some of them tonight. There's some, there's some Bible verses that we look at and we know by heart. And we've read them a hundred times. But we really don't understand it until we realize where he was saying it. Who he was saying it to, and it helps us to pull it all together and understand the real uh, image that the disciples were seeing when Jesus was talking to them. And I'm going to show some things tonight, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. You know what? We ought to be in church when the doors are open. I said this earlier, but the best counseling and the best uh, opportunity for you to get help out of the Word of God is sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. God changes lives through the preaching. Amen? That's the promise of the Lord right here in the Word. Amen. 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 Folks, we know what we need to do to get well. Let's get back to the basics. Hebrews chapter 2 says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Stand ye in the ways, Jeremiah says, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Want to get rid of some of that sin? Want to get rid of some of that weight? Want to have true, real repentance and real revival? Let's get down to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, I know the Word, and I need to get back to it. Lord, I know that there's some leadership in this church and I need to go, go see them and help and get some help. Lord, I know that, that the church is, is what you've done. I'm, I'm going to go right now to First, uh, First Timothy. Lord, just give me this verse in my, my heart. First Timothy chapter 3. Look what he says here. Verse, uh, First Timothy 3.15, he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Woo! He talks pretty highly about his church, doesn't he? Yes, Jesus Christ is all about the local New, New Testament fundamental uh, uh, Baptist church, I believe. When I line up with scripture, I believe it. Amen. He's about the church. It's time we start, start putting some emphasis back on these things. Get back to the basics, back to the fundamentals. You do some of these stars in sports and all this stuff, you know what they do? They get up real early and they go to the gym and they work on fundamentals for hours to make sure they've got it so that when they're out with practicing with the team, they already got all that stuff figured out. It's time for us with God individually, you and God, to get back to the fundamentals together. Reconciliation we talked about last week. Reconciliation, get back to God. I wonder if there's somebody here. You know, you know, we talked about the Bible. We talked about leadership. We talked about the church. You know what the Bible says? It says that from a, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Are you, are you saved? Do you know that heaven's your home? Do you know you're a child of God? Do you know that your family is? It's time we get back to uh, the Word of God in the house of God. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. 
Do you know, I'm gonna, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you forward in a time of invitation. It's an invitation for you to come get right with God, to come meet God right at His Word. You'll see many people up here praying on the altar here and, and dealing with things in their heart before God that He's pricking them about. And maybe you say, well, I don't even understand any of this. I'm not even saved. I don't know that I have a home in heaven. And these men will be up here with a Bible and they can show it, open you and show you exactly what you need to do to get saved. We're talking about death unto life. Get saying no to hell and yes to heaven. Amen? Woo! It's a decision that you need to make. Have you ever made it? Have you ever made it? Maybe, child of God, you're in here and you've never taken that step of obedience of baptism. The waters are warm this morning. Amen? Praise God for that. Warm water this morning. Let's get it taken care of. Amen? Maybe you've already been through, you've already gotten saved, you've already been through the waters of baptism, but you're just distant from the Lord. Let's get back here to the, to the, to the altar and let's weep over sin and let's put that away and say, God, help me to repent and do it real and, and maybe I'll get some accountability from, from some leadership in here and we'll do it right. Get back to the basics. Let's bow together, please. Lord, help us now. Lord, is there no balm in Gilead? God, I know what I need to do to get right. I know that I have the Word of God, the Church of God. I've got other men of God around me. Lord, You've given me uh, other men of God in my life to be a help and a counsel and, and even conviction, Lord, as, as they point out things in my life that the Holy Spirit convicts me over. And God, I thank You for what You've given us in this place, for this church Lord, this lighthouse for so many years that, Lord Jesus, you're shining through for your glory. I pray, Lord, somebody here today needs to get saved. Somebody here today in this sanctuary needs to get saved. Maybe they're in the balcony, or maybe they're down here on the lower floor, but they've never trusted Christ as their personal Savior. And, Lord, the Bible tells me that if they have never trusted Christ, they're on their way to hell for all eternity. And I pray, as we see what's in the Bible... That God, that we would choose Jesus Christ. Choose you, Lord, as our Savior. If I shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, the Bible says in Romans 10. I pray, God, that somebody would come this morning that they know they're not saved. And they say, I'll get saved this morning. I pray maybe some other folks would come and, and deal with some things at the altar this morning. Help us now, Lord, please. Bless this invitation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.